Investing in your business can be a wonderful way to grow wealth and live the life you want. That's what I'm doing. But investing in someone else's business can be even better. In my opinion, this is the best way to generate true passive income streams. Through ETFs or exchange-traded funds, you can buy a basket of shares in different companies in one trade. BetaShares offers Australia's broadest range of ETFs, including the Global Cashflow Kings ETF, ticker symbol CFLO, which lets you invest in 200 companies with high levels of free cash flow, such as Visa and Costco, in one ETF. You can learn more about CFLO and the BetaShares fund range by visiting betashares.com.au. Read the PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Australian Business Podcast. I'm Daniel Golubev. I'm Jordan Kittis. I'm Owen Rask. We're here to help you make more profit, find work-life balance, save time, capital, and grow your business. Every week, we drop the best tax tips, marketing hacks, growth strategies, and methods to help you grow. If you haven't already, take the free Rask Business Course. Book a chat with me or Daniel at Grayspace. Or get in contact with us about business coaching. We also love hearing from you. So send us your questions and feedback using the resources found in the podcast player for each episode. Let's get into it. Daniel, Jordan, welcome to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. Owen, thank you. How are you, mate? Good to see you. Jordan, it's been a couple of weeks since we've had you on the show. It's good to have uh, you back, the, the main man, the number one, the number one of the three <laughs> on the show, apparently. Um, it goes you, then Daniel, then myself. Uh, <laughs> Lies. So uh, it's good to have you, mate, and uh, welcome back with the beard. Too. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. So today we're going to do a quick chat about um, what people can, I guess, do over Christmas if they run a business and ask you what you guys are doing in a second. Um, and yeah, we've, we haven't really had that many questions come through this week. So people I imagine are dialing down and or really busy coming into the end of the year with their business. And uh, we'll talk about that in a second too. Um, Daniel, what have you been working on? Um, quite a bit, actually. It's the time of year where we do sort of annual performance reviews with employees. Um, and we've got a lot more than we did this time last year. So I've sort of taken it a lot more seriously. And um, for me, it's trying to make it more. <laughs> well, last year, there was sure many of us last year. So it was sort of a little. It was what, one. It was one. So it was a little informal. It was more, yeah. But now that there's there's more, um, I've put a little bit, put a lot more time and effort into sort of creating a little bit of structure behind it. It's something we can continuously sort of work on and, and get better, but at least have a, uh, some type of framework, call it, to follow. Mm. Um, so I've been working on that, trying to sort of make it enticing for the employees as well. Um, you know, it's little things as like making sure you give employees some warning to prepare for it as well because it's not just a let's sit down in a meeting room and we dictate what's happened, what's going to happen and what our thoughts are. Um, it's, I think it's a really good opportunity for businesses to actually get feedback as well, sort of what they're doing, what they can do better, how, you know, call it workplace culture can be different to how 
the employer sometimes sees it as well. So it just gives a little bit of an opportunity for feedback to keep evolving, keep getting better, and make sure you keep people actually happy and your goals are aligned with them. And that's how do you do that? So how do you get the feedback? I think just having specific questions you can ask your employees that they can prepare. So I think we had a list of about seven questions um, that I've pre-sent to all the employees and it was, I don't need like an essay or a response back. This is what we're going to talk about in the meeting. If you want to write it down, write it down. If you want to just talk about it, we'll talk about it, but we'll do it their way. Sort of, but come prepared to answer these questions because I don't want to sit there and have an answer of, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay, that sounds good. Mm. I, I want to actually have a conversation with my staff and go, okay, what, what are we doing here? Yeah, and even on that, it's just to add to what Daniel said, it's super important because Daniel and I, you know, at the start of the year, every year we'll sit down and run through this is what we want to do, this is what we want to achieve. Um, we'll go through our values and mission statement and whatnot. And it's really important to make sure that although Daniel and I know what it is, it's really important that staff know what it is and they're able to practice that every day with internally and externally with clients as well. So it's a really good check-in tool um, to use to make sure that what we're doing is also being reflected with the staff because like we said when we this time last year there was there was, there was one or, or two if that one or maybe one or two and now it was two it was one and a, but we, yeah. we had one guy for I think it was a very short period of time so one one staff member for for most of the year mm. and then the second one came on very late so it was a bit of a useless um, sort of yeah. not really an annual performance review when you're still on probation. Right. Yeah, so now it's um, there's more staff and now we're more structured to it to, so we can continue to scale. I know there's a lot of software that uh, helps people manage these types of things. Like business owners can use um, different software and it does, like you can get ones that integrate with Zero and all those types of things as well. Um, and uh, the HR tools often do it as well. There's some really expensive stuff out there like that do like hate like heat maps for bigger organizations so you can see where this culture shift in like pockets of your business and um, you can search for them online. Um, do you guys use any particular, like what, could you give us a type of question that you might ask? Because I've got yeah, one. Yeah, Yeah. I, um, I, I do this as well, but I send the questions via a Google form in advance and then um, they type their responses in there in their own time, like over say the course of a week. And then in the session, when you talk to them, you reflect on what they said. Because a lot of the time, they might say something and um, in the moment and not remember um, it, or they might have given themselves time to think about it and they can reflect on why they said that thing. And also by them typing it, I find that if someone puts it into the form and click submit, they're probably more likely to give you candid feedback sometimes like some people aren't always prepared to do that face to face so um, doing it across both mediums actually I find is probably the most effective way though. Have you found anyone give you sort of not contradicting answers but like slightly different answers from an in person to a submitted form that you've had to not question but like sort of like No but I, I not really but I can tell you one thing that I've ha had happen is that um I've misinterpreted what they've said in their written response in advance of the meeting and then clarified it with them. So if I'd only gotten a written response, I could have misinterpreted the feedback. Yeah. Um, and so that's probably what I found is more common than um, kind of people changing their minds on a piece of feedback. Mm -hmm. um, but I'll get, before I throw it over you guys, I'll give you one piece of like one, one question I always ask, it's actually two-parter, but um, they, they're joined at the hip. One is, um, 
where would you like your salary to be? And sometimes I choose 12 months, but sometimes I choose two years, which is enough for like growth and whatever. So I say, in two years, where would you like your salary to be? And then the next question is, um, what are two ways that you could get to that? Because a lot of people, a lot of employees think that I'm basically, I'm here and whatever my manager says is whatever I'll get. But if you kind of like invert them a little bit and say, well, hey, what can you do to get to that? It actually invites a whole different form of creativity and how they view their role. That's what I've found. And so like what they do is like in the Google form that I send is they put a number in and they answer the question. And typically what I do is I go, well, you said you want to earn $120,000 in two years. I want you to earn 140000 so how are we going to get to 140,000, not 120? And so when I do that exercise with them, a lot of the times they're like, I didn't think I could earn that in my role. I'm like, absolutely, you could earn that in your role. We just got to figure out a way to make it happen, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that gives them a very, very sharp growth focus really quickly because they're like, oh, I, there's some of this that's in my control if I can hit these things. Because like, let's be honest, I, I feel like most business owners, maybe there are some out there, but most business owners will want to pay their employees more if they can afford to do it. Of course. <laughs> you know, so yep. um, getting support and, and doing that, and you can preempt that as an employee. You can obviously tell your manager what you want and here's the things that I've done and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, what's on your list? All right, so I don't even know if I, now you've got me questioning everything now, sort of like the, the brain ticking because the way we've done it is in December we do more of like a actual performance component without – like a pay rise, our pay rises happen at financial year period. So we've almost got two major touch points. So December is more of like a goal setting performance and um, sort of areas of improvement and actual sort of activity. And then the financial year leading into that component, that's when we talk a bit more of like a track in that performance and salary increases. But now I'm thinking I should be doing it all at once. I feel like you could. Just what, are your thought, what are your thoughts there? Because I've always had it separated. So now I'm, you've got you've really got the the brain juices flowing. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because that's what <laughs> that's where I, I was at, and now I'm sort of questioning everything. No, so I so I, I follow a similar pathway, and then I do it twice a year as well. But one of them is more structured than the other. The other one's just like a really informal kind of catch up, check in, how are you going. Um, what did we say six months ago? That's literally, it's not like send off the form and do that whole process again. It's one big annual one Mm -hmm. where that's where you can talk about pay rises and and do all that. Uh, And you do have those KPIs in there. Like, um, yeah, that I love those sessions. Um, but I also don't want to do them too frequently because I think if you, it might put too much pressure on the team. That's what I feel like. And it also puts a lot of strain on you to try and think through those things every if you did every quarter, for example. So I do a very similar thing to you. So I think that's reasonable. Okay. Yeah, because um, in line with yours, I think the one we have in December is probably closer to like your informal one that yeah. I've tried to put a little bit of structure to. And some of the questions I've got are sort of like, what are your individual goals for the next sort of performance cycle in brackets calendar year that we follow? Then yeah. how do you feel you have performed since starting with us? Because a lot of them have started within that 12-month period. Um, are there any areas you would like to focus on and improve on? What do you like most about your role? Do you feel as though you have everything you need to do your job to your best ability? Are there any areas we can focus and improve on to help you? And please provide some feedback on your experience with us so far. 
So it's it's more of like a structured informal component. And then our major one, like you're referring to with the salary components, generally happens June, July. Yeah, which makes sense for you guys. Yeah. I used, I used to, this is, I haven't even told you about this, Daniel, but I, I remember when I used to was working and managing a couple of people, they used to use a, a software website, if you want to call it, call it called Lattice. And I've just sent it to you guys in the in our chat. I couldn't work out how to do it so everyone could see it, but maybe we can put in the show notes. Um, and that's something that can be used to sort of track these things. Um, it's a bit more in depth. There's structure around it. Um but yeah, it may be something to explore for business owners, and I don't think it's too expensive either. I think it's like a couple bucks. I think it's during a month, and it's. I was just going to say that um, I think those tools become more and more important as you scale, like, and so it's good. To, it's important to be aware of yeah. two or three major ones, mm-hmm. um, because when you've got like you know, like you guys are experiencing, I've experienced this. Like when you got like two or three people, it's easy, right? You just go for a beer or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when, I mean, when you've got five to 10, you can still kind of handle it in a Google Doc or a spreadsheet. But then as you get to 20 or 30, then all of a sudden it's like your HR manager wants to have informed, like up-to-date information yeah. on what things are happening, how people are feeling about the culture, is there a reporting line and these types of things. So that's where they come in. And yeah, I found some of those HR software uh, tools that can be a few dollars a head up to like say 20 bucks a head and it gets yeah. to like a few thousand dollars a year. Um so that's, that's, yeah, those are really, really valuable. How about you, Jordan? What have you been working on, man? Um, I've been concentrating on just getting a bit of um, workout in the past two, three weeks. I've, I've been off for a, a week or so. Mm-hmm. So I've just been playing a bit of catch up, to be honest. So boring old accounting work, just getting bastards up to date and, and tax returns. So nothing as fun as the 12 minute conversation we just had at the start of the Summarized in 10. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. What have you been up to? <laughs> no, that's that's fair, man. It's, it's, you're just getting on the tools, and sometimes you got to do that. Particularly at Christmas, you got to kind of prepare yourself for the new year and getting through. Um, yeah. That's what we do. We, I try and take as much time as I can off over Christmas, and it's because it's something. It's very much a luxury for me. Like I went um, through school as everyone does, and then went straight into uni and did three uni degrees before I'd even had the chance to. And then I started a business before I finished the last uni degree. So didn't really have a chance to ever have like a summer, right? And so nowadays, now that I finally, after seven years of the business, can finally probably afford to do that, I take full um, ownership of that and I want to make it what I want to make it. So I've just been um, preparing the team because we just take basically all of uh, Christmas and January off. Um, We have a really, because it's only a small team, as you know, we have a really, really flexible arrangement in that basically – Anyone can take any time off at any time if they want to. And um, they the only thing is that we all just plan together when those people are going to take time off, how we manage, and you put redundancies in place. Um, so I've just been preparing literally like all the podcasts that people will hear in January will be record, pre-recorded um, and been working on that. And then the other thing, we had an episode, I thought I'd just reflect on this for a moment. We had an episode go live with uh, Navar. Uh, Trossalu from Navexa, which is a software business, uh, this week on the Australian Business Podcast. If you haven't already listened to that, I think that's a really good episode to listen to about pricing, pricing your products, pricing your services, knowing your worth and whatever. And uh, one of the things that I took away from that was that for so many years, like I never had a pricing methodology. Like I was just like picking a price for my products and I was just like, that's a good price. 
everyone will think that that's a deal. And Navarre lays it out like very eloquently how if you price something too low, you, it might be a great deal, but everyone won't buy it because they think it's too cheap. There's no value embedded in it. And so there is like this, like I always thought like cheaper is better. If I could just be the cheapest product and then deliver value, everyone will buy it. It's not the way things work. Like the, you can charge more and more people will join. It's kind of crazy to think, but it kind of flips every piece of economics that we're taught on our head. Like, oh, I'll just go and if I'm a landscaper, I'll just go and do that job cheaper and they'll choose me. Yeah. You know? It really does flip it, flip it on its head. And the, um, just on that topic, book recommendation, $100 million offers. If you can see it, if not, I'm holding up the book. Yes. Um, and Alex Hormozzi, the author, he really runs through exactly what we're talking about. We're charging for value as opposed to just being the cheapest because that's just a race to the bottom and you can't scale a business like that always being the cheapest. You'll always hit a ceiling and it's, it just doesn't work. Mm. How, here's a question for you guys on this then, scaling a business. Like you guys have a pricing model, which Daniel and I were talking about on a phone call a few weeks ago. Um you guys have a pricing model, which is, if I'm not mistaken, is basically if like a small business comes to you guys for accounting and all that strategy stuff, they pay based on the volume of the business, like and basically what you guys need to add to them. So like if they've got thousands of transactions that are happening a month and you have to reconcile that and then you have to work with them for HR and all this sort of stuff. If, if I got that correct, like that's kind of how you tier your pricing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, what on. There, there's a few different elements to it. So, you know, from turnover, transaction sizes, um, employee numbers. So there's a few factors that vary into it. But I think we noticed very early on that businesses in a similar size all require similar levels of work. So you can, you know, quite easily, you know, set tiers of pricing in place. So how do you then, like, how do you guys think about, like, things like price increases or decreases like i'm just curious how you guys as accountants and like folks on business strategy how you guys went about setting those prices and how you think about potentially increasing them keeping them the same or whatever in the future like do you have a way that you think about that um not really to be honest in terms of increasing prices we do it once a year we'll sit down and um review the client's file and see if there's been an uptick or down not really a downtick, but more so of an uptick in um, transactions. And when I say downtick, it's not so much that transactions are less, but we've become more efficient at doing the job. Um, and we don't shoot ourselves in the foot for that because that's us that's now been efficient due to our systems and our processes that Daniel and I and the staff have spent all this time implementing. Um, mm. So we've now gotten, we're now able to get the job done at that same level of quality for a quicker period. So we don't then reduce the price because it's taken us 10 years, 20 years, 30 years between everyone to work out how to do it this quick. So that's why we don't reduce the price. Yeah. Um, but the price will go up as transactions do go up. So it's interesting because I've, like, I've always thought about like, you know, uh, not so much in accounting, but definitely in finance, like the finance MO and how brands extract pricing uh, money from their clients is basically like to take the most loyal customers and charge them more. <laughs> Whereas I've always thought, like, if you're a smaller <laughs> business, 
one of your secrets is actually having those super loyal fans and those customers in the early days. Yeah. And making sure that they tell their friends and refer their friends in. So it's always been interesting to me that the finance industry does the opposite of that. They kind of like just prey on people's, um, I guess, I don't know what you call it, latency, like la- like their ability, their inability to move on certain things. Like I was chatting to my um, stepdad the other day and I was like, when was the last time you called the bank to review a mortgage? He's like, I've had it for like 25 years and I haven't done that. And I was like, yeah, well, whoa. So when I got him to check, he was like 1% over, like he was getting charged 1% more, one full percentage more than what was like a pretty decent rate. So I was like, you should probably reverse that. Top of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know, because like we have this membership at Rask that's like $9.99, right? And um, I wanted to price it so low, it was just like ridiculously low. And I think I went way too low like way too low because the amount of value that we can add to people's lives through that is just like, and I never had a framework for that. So I'm going to get this book. I just wrote it down, $100 million offers. I've heard of the book because I've heard you talk about it, Jordan. Um, there are two topics we want to quickly touch on today. Uh, and please send us your questions. You can send us your questions any way you like. But in every episode of the Australian Business Podcast, there is a link that says ask a question and you can select the Australian Business Podcast. That's how easy it is. Um you guys wanted to talk about, and I imagine this is like we talk about being cash flow being a killer of businesses, um, having cash in the bank over Christmas and how businesses can budget for that. Who wants to start with that? Yeah, I can kick that one off. So something that we do see quite often, um, mainly in the service-based businesses that we look after, is that over up until the last week of December when everyone breaks up, if it's I think it's the 22nd this year, um, it's a mad rush and you know money's coming in um jobs need to get done and whatnot but come january there's a lot of people that are off so whether it's b2b or or even for b2c businesses it's really important that you have cash flow to sustain your expenses because a lot of the time your expenses don't slow down but that in that two weeks um income does slow down so you still got to pay staff wages even if they're on annual leave they have leave you need to pay that if you're renting a space lease payments whatever it may be they don't stop so it's super important to be able to budget for that and make sure that you have uh, at least a couple of months worth of expenses in the bank because a lot of the time, I would say 90% of, of, of businesses, and don't quote me on it, it's just off the cuff, mm-hmm. um, have a downtick in that January period because there's just not much happening. People go on holidays. And even if the business is still open, the people that they engage with to sell their service or product, they're not there. They're on holidays. So it's really important that there's enough cash to sustain those expenses um, during that January, I guess, shutdown. Mm, yeah. I, uh, it's, the irony is for Rask, uh, and hopefully we see this for our podcast, the Australian Business Podcast, we see a big uptick in listeners in January. Huge, in fact. We do, it does quite often in December massively, but we see typically January every year is our record month for, across all podcasts. So, New Year's resolution. I was literally just saying, I was thinking that. Our New Year's resolution is that everyone listening to this refers one friend in January to the Australian Business Podcast because we will be doing some. And leaves a review. And and leaves a review because we're doing some great material. A five star review, though. That can only be five stars. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, we're not manipulating it in any way, Apple, but it's five stars only. Um, Yeah, so cash in the bank is so important coming into this time of year. and also then I was even thinking like 
if you are in that situation, like I was doing some invoices the other day and I noticed like all, all of our invoices basically shoot off on the first of every month and they have like typically seven day payment terms with us is like what we agree with our partners. And I was saying to them like, I'm going to send it before Christmas because I like basically just to help everyone manage their cash flow. Like, yeah, it's fine. Like if you talk to them, they can then set the payment to go on that day or whatever, especially if you know what it's going to be. But just having a bit of like preparation this time of year is so important. Um, so that's there. Um, and I think that's just so important. I, to be honest, I don't know what you guys think, but like just having any cash in the bank right now is like a godsend for people because it, times are pretty tough yeah. for a lot of businesses. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We're seeing all that backlash now with the Coles and Woolies stuff going on, um, but the duopoly all over the news. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people are struggling. Yeah, bloody oath. Um, Bring back Feed Your Family for $10. Yeah, it's so expensive. Like uh, every time you go to the uh, supermarket and you get a block of cheese and it's like 10 bucks, and you're thinking, <laughs> this is out of control, right? It's uh, crazy at the moment. Um, and I love cheese. That's why I brought cheese up. But, um, <laughs> um, so um, speaking of Meredith Scotch cheese, way too expensive. Please bring down the price. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Um, strategy this time of year is a great time of year to do strategy I was chatting to um, some friends of mine who run a business in tandem they're business partners and I said to them you guys have been like at each other lately you've been bickering you've had all these issues come up throughout the year why don't you both just stop talking to each other for a couple weeks and then put in your calendar for January 8th or whatever day you come back and it's just you guys come back before your team does and you spend a full day a full couple days just talking to each other. What do you guys do this time of year, if anything, to kind of usher in the new year and set yourself up? Yeah, I think it's a really good time to reset as a whole, right? So as a business, as a person. Um, so I th- we, Jordan and I, always schedule at least, at least, but we schedule one full day offsite on a completely random location that has an office, a TV, and a whiteboard. Um, and we strategize. We go through what the we'll go, we'll go through sort of the last period of time. So it would be the twelve months since we did it last. We'll talk about where we want to go. We'll review our values. We'll review our sort of initiatives and sort of where we're sitting, and then set some plans and strategize for what that calendar year is going to bring for us and what we want to bring yeah. as well. Because it's it's easy to say I want this, I want that, but it's also like, well, how are we going to achieve that? Like if we're going to be realistic and um, put things into perspective, we need to have a plan on how to achieve certain things. Um, So we'll we'll, we'll spend the whole day. And I think if you read Traction, there's a a massive recommendation to do it away from your normal place of work just so you're not sort of re-engaged back into your day-to-day because you want to be able to just sit there, put your phone away, put everything away, no distractions, and just focus. Absolutely. I couldn't... I don't think we would have been anywhere near as productive as we have been over the years if we did our strategy meetings in the office. Like, no way. Like, the amount of distraction, the amount of kind of, like, I think the environment influences people more than they realize. Like, it's kind of like osmosis. It just kind of creeps into your consciousness without you noticing and you're influenced by where you are and how you're feeling. Like, um it could be anywhere, right? Like it could just be someone, someone's house that's not your own 
um, and you just sit there and you just go through things. And um, I used to do that every year when my team was small. I used to do that every year with every staff member. We'd just go to a different place. So, and that's how we would do our reviews. We don't do that anymore. But um, so on that day then, when you sit down, do you do a retro as well? Like you look back to look forward or is it mainly just looking forward? No, we'll look back. Um, we'll look at, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we um, we'll look at like the last year's performance, and then we'll follow, put a slideshow together to, to have structure around what we're doing, um, and then just like Daniel said, make those plans for the year after. We follow like a hybrid method of traction, a bit of scaling up with um, Vern Hunish, and then a bit of the DG and JK twist on all of it. So <laughs> um, we do have structure around what we want to run through, um, revisiting all of the stuff, all the fun stuff, the values, focus, bit of marketing strategy, one-year plan, rocks. I'm just reading through our the VTO that is in traction, <laughs> the three-year um, picture and what that looks like. Accountability chart's really important. And that's, I think, um, Dan, we haven't really even spoken about this, but that accountability chart that we did, how we split our business up, I think that's been huge for yeah, us. Yeah, massive. Can you massive. tell us yeah, so we split the business up into four, I guess, silos or segments, um, being finance, sales, marketing, and operations. Um, I did the marketing and sales side of things, and Dan did the um, operations and the finance. Yeah, all the fun stuff. So we... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty much um, short end of the stick, but I, I think that has allowed us to grow at the pace that we've grown at. Yep. And allow allowed us to because when we first started, we'd be sitting there and go, "What do you reckon of this? What do you reckon of that?" And then we'd not dawdle, but it'll take longer to make decisions. And now we've gotten a lot faster at making decisions because each of us is responsible for that. Yep. If a big decision needs to be made, obviously we cross pollinate and we talk to each other about it. But all these little decisions, it's just like, "No, nah, you make that call. I make this call." We've just and it's allowed us to move so much faster. Now, even if it's one person and there's one director in the business, it doesn't mean you can't do this. Um, you can still time block and have three hours uh, have three hours for operations, three hours for marketing, three hours for sales, and you can still time block and just draw focus in on those things. So don't think if you're a solopreneur or a solo business owner that you can't be implementing mm -hmm. an accountability chart because you can then hire in to those roles. Yeah, and then you have that kind of back catalog of like ideas and strategy and exactly. policies and whatever. Um, yeah, cool. Do you guys ever do a team-based strategy meeting? Not really? Um, not really, no. You know, it wouldn't be bad to implement one maybe um, in January when everyone sort of comes back after we've done ours just to sort of relay it. Um, but because at the moment we don't really have any, call it, We've got senior staff, but they're not at a decision-making level with us. It sort of it, it seems a little bit not pointless. I don't want to say pointless, um, but I don't see how much value that will bring because we're yeah. still so heavily involved in the business that it is our duty to be relaying yeah. sort of the key info. Um, and I think to touch on what Jordan said before about having like a main decision-maker, like I think that was a massive game-changer and we applied the, the – I think we called it the 5149 rule at a point in time. When you're in a 50-50 sort of um, partnership, someone's going to make a call at some point in time. So by applying that 51 voting, call it voting rights, um, someone's always got the responsibility to make the call 
whether to mm-hmm. agree or disagree, and the other person cannot question it. They just have the opportunity to get their views out, but it's one person's decision. Yeah, I like it. Um, and it is divide and conquer, right? So important. Um, as a business scales, one of the things that uh, Gina Whitman talks about in uh, traction is how do you communicate those messages to your team? And that becomes more important as your business gets beyond 10, 20, 30 employees with multiple divisions because you end up siloed um, and you can go away and do a strategy meeting. But if you're just a wheel and uh, you're just a cog in a big wheel and that com- hasn't communicated out through the rest of the, the thing, you're never going to move as fast as you could because there will always be some uneven cogs and squeaky parts of that wheel um, that you just can't push through. And so the way you communicate those strategies is really important too, which we can talk about in another session. But um, we're going to probably, um, we we are going to do a a session in January for anyone that is new to running a business or even your experience and you just want to go across the major uh, kind of like groups of of thinking in your business. So whether that's things like how you market a business online, uh, how do you set up a HR strategy from the get-go that makes sense? And how do you put those systems in place for accounting, for managing your cash flow, financing, all those things? So we'll be coming back to you and everyone on the Australian Business Podcast in January. Over 10,000 people uh, tuned in to the Australian Business Podcast last month, which is huge. So it's slowly compounding, it's slowly growing. Uh, and we'll be doing this more and more in 2024. So uh, if you do know anyone that is listening, I know our podcast got recommended in the My Millennial Money uh, Facebook group this past week, uh, which was really nice to see. And if you do know friends or family that run businesses or even colleagues um, that you think might benefit from hearing more about how business operates, like someone that you think you may be a manager in the future or you want to promote, this is obviously the show to send them because – uh, we talk about things that are relevant not just to micro businesses but large businesses and people all all throughout those businesses. So um, you can also get in contact with us uh, by using the links in the show notes. You can get a link there to book in a call with the Gray Space Advisory Team, Jordan or Daniel. Um, and by the way, when they said uh, DG and JK before, that refers to these two gents. Um, for those of you that needed to pick up on, they did insert themselves into the uh, the realms of Gino Wickman. Uh, I did. I did kind of see that elevation. That uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> Watch out, for Tony Robbins. These two are coming for you. Um, but you can get in contact with, be sued. with me in the show notes as well. This coming Monday night, there is a webinar that's going to go out. The email will go out this week. Uh, the webinar is how to build a website in under sixty minutes. Um, so if you're new to the digital space, I'll go through exactly how to do that. We'll share our screens and we'll use examples. So that's all available if you head to owenrask.com. There is a link in the show notes that says webinar. You can just go and register. You'll receive an email uh, and it will go live Monday night. I think it's at 7.30 Australian Eastern time. Uh, and then it will be all online. You can ask your questions and we'll go through end-to-end how to build it fast, secure, and quickly. Um all right, guys, that's enough from me. Um, I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Jordan, good to see you back on deck, mate, and um, always nice to see folks with a beard. Um, and Daniel, always a pleasure, mate. Do I fall into that category? <laughs> Thanks, mate. Cheers, guys. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. 
I think this series is best served with my free business course on RASC education. My free course includes all of my notes, templates, employment guides, legal documents, marketing strategies, software recommendation, and ideas for starting and running a small business. Finally, if this podcast or the course helps you, I only ask that you please help me by sharing it with one friend, colleague, or family member who runs a business. Thanks for listening.